Welcome to Keeping It A Hundo. Today's guest is Brandon Opalaby, aka B Dot, aka Cuban B, aka Dibia, aka Hefe, aka Ice Beezy, aka Iceberg Slim, aka the ubiquitous businessman, aka Nathan Vandalay, aka the Bushman, aka Alfalfa, aka Beatty. He's Nigerian. He's got a lot of nicknames. He's a self-proclaimed disruptor. But in my book, he's a guy that gets things done. Along with the Miami Marlins, his foundation donated a new car to a single mom with three kids. This is a woman who previously did not have a car, who was shuffling her kids to practices, to school, and to her volunteer work she was doing with Dibia Dream. That's somebody who's getting things done. Whether it's through Dibia Dream, his nonprofit, or Dibia Athletic Development, he's helping kids in schools and communities that don't have the resources to do it themselves with programs like STEM Saturday. He's bringing science and math into communities that are lacking in those areas in their day-to-day curriculum. He's providing an incubator of excellence. That's how he describes it. So the work he's doing in Overtown and Liberty City and other communities that lack resources, it's essential that a guy like him can contribute to these communities. He's also coaching with his Dibia Athletic Foundation and at Ransom Everglades High School. He does everything from clinics to individual training using the basketball skills that he honed on the courts of New Orleans where he was born and raised and playing at St. Augustine's which is a Catholic school in New Orleans that's known for their basketball program. Then he walked on at University of Miami and made the basketball team and eventually was awarded a scholarship. That's a lot of work. You gotta you gotta be relentless and really dedicated to your craft to achieve something like that. He even worked his way onto the court where he was part of the rotation by the end of his career at University of Miami and was getting minutes in Real ACC games, not not garbage time. That same work ethic has carried over into his professional life where he's helping kids academically and athletically in the city of Miami. We see you doing big things, B. And not to be overlooked is his position with JFK, also known as Just for Kings. He's one of the co-CEOs and founders of JFK. After hearing this conversation, you may realize that he and I are very good friends. You may also think, hey, this guy, he's the Nigerian George Costanza, but I'll let you decide those things for yourself. But what I can tell you is he doesn't work in import-export and he doesn't work in the latex business. He's doing big things in the community. He's doing big things on and off the court. Forget about mayor of Miami or mayor of New Orleans. How about Opalabi for president 2024? This is my conversation with Brandon O'Pollo. The law, breaking the law. It's always too much for me to ever ignore. I got a thing for them big body fences. Those my senses. In love with a V-dub engine. Man, I'm high off life. Fucking, I'm wasted. Baby, eight kicks. All the marble K-wrists. My women friend get tennis bracelets. Trips to Venice. Get they winners replaced with. You got any trips coming up? Yeah. Uh, I just got back from Tulum. Uh, I'll go back to Tulum in June. I'll go to New Orleans, Antigua, Bermuda, 
and then I'll be back here. What was um? It was your second time in Tulum. Third time in Tulum. Third time. Love Tulum. Man. I know. I want to get back. I've only been once. I want to get back. Explain Tulum a little bit because it's it's pretty popular like travel wise right now. But right. people that don't travel f- kind of for a living like we do, right, uh, right, right, don't just be hitting it up whenever you know. Yeah, like Tulum is special to me because it's real. It's real relaxed, and but you can also have a good time or turn up or whatever you want to call it. Basically, like there's a strip, right? There's ocean. Basically, you call it Ocean Drive, but to the right is like Ocean Drive, just turned up. There's clubs. There's different places. There's a Zulik, which is like treehouse, crazy resort. But if you go left, left Azulik. is Azulik. If you go left, is real calm, and there's this place called Mezzanine where it's like the most beautiful view for breakfast. And I'm there pretty much from like nine to one. Is that the Thai place? No, it's um, it's just a normal breakfast place. Okay. But literally, your view is like so. Say the seat right here. This is glass, and everything beyond that is water. And you're sitting there. It's just you, breakfast, and the iguanas. Yeah, it's the play. The whole city or town or whatever it is is like unplugged. Oh yeah, yeah. Now yeah. I think people are starting to. You start to see a lot more people going there. Um, they're building it up, but there is so much. That they can do there yeah it's still still untapped even though you go to certain places and you think it's um it's been modernized or whatever you want to call it it's once you go to the top of zulik you still see just forest and that's all you see just trees and jungle jungle straight jungle. it's it's a jungle on a beach yeah but it's beautiful where do it. you stay because like i stayed at a, a pretty cool resort okay. i liked it and we had uh like basically uh, huts in the right. jungle, right, and all the it had electricity, but that was only for like a couple lights in the room. There's no TVs. Oh, okay. There's no refrigerators. Oh, okay. None of that. Yeah, you're in a, you're, you're in a jungle jungle. Yeah, and you can hear the waves crashing up. Like you can oh, walk man. out your door and feet on the sand in two oh, seconds. Nice. That's nice. I'm in an Airbnb. Uh, it's called Caprice. It's in Aldazama, um, and basically, I'm five minutes from the strip, but. The first time I went there, I was on supposed the to... On the land side. On the land side. I was supposed to go to Egypt. There was the London drone attack, so I couldn't go to Egypt. And then I was just like, okay, I'll go to Tulum. I booked it that night. But they're amazing. They have this huge... They have six condos in this one building. And I get the biggest one. But it's so cheap. But it also, the people are so nice. So I stay there every time I go. I made a mistake one time and booked another place. It wasn't as great. But these people, Mariana, she's amazing. So I stay in there, and I'm five minutes away, or I can run to the beach. So I even told her, so I just got back Wednesday. I told her Wednesday I'll be back in June. So I already have my dates booked. You do? Okay. You already booked it up? Yeah. Dolo? Dolo. I love it. Beautiful. I'm thinking about a, uh, a little surf trip next week, like two days somewhere random. Oh, the waves were crazy the last couple of days. Really? I wonder if I could surf there. You can, you can. Uh, but are there? I can't. I'm not bringing a surfboard. I need somewhere that has like surf going on, so I can grab a surfboard. On yeah, the I mean they have it on the. So if you, as you're going down that strip, like you know the strip I'm talking about, like if you're mm-hmm. going towards the main Azuli, strip, right? Go left, mm-hmm. and then go towards. There's a part where you can't drive past. So park, and then they'll have all of it right there where it says snorkeling, the Tulum ruins, um, all those different things. 
We're reporting live from the Creole cockpit. <laughs> from the Creole cockpit. Seven water all day. I'm with B Dot, aka Cuban B, <laughs> aka Dibia, <laughs> aka Hefe, aka Ice Beezy, aka the ubiquitous businessman. You gotta get it right. AKA Nathan Vandelay. Vandelay and his thoughts. You go by a lot of nicknames. Yes, sir. Which one's the best? I like El Jefe right now. El Jefe. I'm, I'm really like That's the that. mode you're in. That's the mode I'm in. And then when I travel, sometimes it's, it's definitely Vandalay. But let's give his real name. This is Brandon O'Pollaby. Of course. Some of you might call him Oak Pollaby. But the K is silent. The K is silent. Young Nigerian-American entrepreneur. Yes, yes. Went to University of Miami together. Played ball at uh, University of Miami. We're going to talk about a little bit about that. We're going to talk about your nonprofit. We're going to talk about travel. Yes. So let's get it going. Let's get into it. Talk about the NOLA. Growing up in New Orleans, being a first generation son of an immigrant. Right. And uh, just what it was like to be growing up over there. Like, I think it's different when. You grow up in the hood, and your family's been there for generations. Right. Or you come into a city, and you're new, or, like, you didn't really have roots right. in New Orleans. Right. I mean, it was it was great because you don't realize it as a child, being raised strict in a Nigerian home, how that'll change you or, or be great for you as you get older. Uh, my dad was extremely strict, but I love him for him now. Like, I think at one of my parties, maybe when I was 25 or 26, I thanked him uh, so much for how I was raised. Um, but growing up in New Orleans, the, I mean, our culture is just amazing. Like you get to see our culture now, so I'm so happy that people get to embrace the culture of just New Orleans as a whole. It's not just Mardi Gras or it's not just a party town. Like people are starting to really see the culture now through HBO shows and different things like that. I think it took Katrina to, to bring that out, unfortunately. But there's always some good that comes from Yeah, because, I mean, the only thing people knew from New Orleans was basically cash money at the time. and Bourbon Street. And Bourbon Street. And you could see cash money and you see a certain type of lifestyle. You come to Mardi Gras before Katrina and you see a certain type of lifestyle. But after Katrina, people were able to dive into the culture and see the beauty of New Orleans. So um, I appreciate, you know, just being raised in New Orleans. But, um, you know, there were times where it was great and there was times where it wasn't so great. Um, great is going to Mardi Gras as a child and being exposed to a lot of different things as a child. Um, also, our culture of the second line and just being around family. Like, New Orleans is uh, that Southern hospitality. Like, someone will walk down the street and ask you, how you're doing or say hi, they actually are concerned about you. We don't have that in Miami. Nah. Even though people think Miami is the South, it's like, it's its own South. It's the furthest it city South in the U.S. Yeah. And it is so far from, from the, the South. south. <laughs> so far from the South. Um, but then also, too, you have that other side of growing up in a Nigerian household where it was like everything was so strict. So you are trying to be the best you're raised on this phrase, Nigel, I know they carry last, meaning like you cannot be last in anything you do, but at the same time, you're, you're first in everything that you do, but still in your house, it's not good enough. So it's like, it's good because you're always striving to be better, but at I the like same that. time, you're like, you're looking at your friend like, oh, my homeboy Marcus, 
is not getting the grades that I'm getting, but he's getting everything he wants. You're sitting here like, I don't know what else to do. There's not another A I can get. So um, it was good and bad. Well, I don't want to say bad. It was just, uh, it was no, all I had, good. I had a similar relationship with my dad where it's like I really didn't appreciate what he was right. doing for me until <laughs> right. I was an adult because right. he was so tough and right. we butted heads so much. But And then also, too, I didn't really appreciate it until I went to Nigeria as an adult and when my dad built his, uh, he built a civic center for his village. And understanding when you go to the village and see like, this is what your father was raised in. And then when you talk to him more about him going through the Nigerian Civil War, like he went through a extremely, I can't even describe how rough it was. So that's, he raised me on that. That's all he knew. Right. So like parents don't know, there's no manual to be a parent. So he's just doing what he thought was best because he's successful now and he he raised you know he was raised well how did he end up in new orleans was there any roots laid down that yeah. brought him over so my great uncle came over and he was in ohio so then my dad uh, came over for college in ohio when my great uncle moved to new orleans he also moved as well so then my dad started with deloitte which is interesting because I started with Deloitte. Yeah, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. I know you did. I didn't know he did. And then he stepped away maybe in like year four or five, kind of similar to me. I stepped away in year three, and then he started his own accounting firm. And, then you know, it just grew from there. You ended up at St. Augustine's. Yeah. How much was basketball a factor? How much was school, like academics a factor in you going to that school? Like what, what brought you there to a Catholic school? Uh, I was raised Catholic, so I, I was always in Catholic school, except maybe two years that I went to public school. Uh, the f only factor was basketball. St. Aug won state. They won a national championship. They produced people like Donald Roy, who played for the Magic, Kerry Kittles, who Notre played Dame. for the Nets. We had Eugene Agerson when he was at, from Arizona, oh, yeah. Avery Johnson. So basketball was everything. So that was my decision to go there. Um, and once I got there, it was just an amazing experience. We had the paddle, which I tell my kids now that I coach that I was paddled if I missed layups or if I wasn't <laughs> off to the ball. That's crazy. I can't paddle you, but maybe you understand why coach is so tough because I was paddled and our discipline was different than the kids' discipline today. You guys won a state championship? We there? won a state championship. Your junior year, senior year? Junior year, and we were going back our senior year, but we – some kid not some kid a kid came in from <laughs> a kid came in from North Carolina he was 6'9 he was good but he didn't play that much and he just transferred in so he started playing and we played this team um, I think it was Hammond I can't remember we're trying to forget them so much uh, we played them in the beginning we beat them no problem we played them to go to state uh, semifinals on a Saturday and Sunday they went to practice and somehow we got wind that they went to practice and everybody was like, why would you go to practice after you lost? They knew that he was illegal or, or something. Yeah. And we didn't we didn't know that as players. So we got disqualified. And then every they went up and lost by 40. The team that won had a legal player in the whole state. So no one really is a state champion for two, the year You're 2000. Senior. Yeah, which was crazy. But we were like devastated. Even today, talking to Kobe about it, like he will get pissed. Yeah, because you, you want to leave your mark, your year, right. your legacy. Right, right. The year you won, that was the Hollis Price team? Yeah. Gosh. Hollis Price, Qantas White, playing against them every day in practice prepared me to play against anybody in college. Because Hollis, I have not played against a player as quick 
as fast, as smart as Hollis. Um, also as humble. And then Qantas, too, was just crafty with the ball. That team right there and the team before who had Eugene, I mean, uh, Jeannie, and had uh, Mac Main yep. uh, from Cash Money. I'm Mac Main. Hey. Uh, that team lost in the semis. But between those teams, I mean, like, it was just amazing basketball practice every day. I can imagine. So you decide you don't want to take a scholarship to go to a smaller school. No. You don't want to go get, you know, be a starter or whatever at right. a D2 or wherever you you could go. Right. You end up at University of Miami because that's where you want to go. Right. You don't get a scholarship offer. Right. You walk on. Talk about the walk-on experience a little bit. So back up real quick. It was my dad wanted me to stay in New Orleans. Uh, he applied for every school in New Orleans. And I was like, Dad, look, UM is giving me a partial academic scholarship. I'm going there. So I get to UM and I start just playing in the wellness center, uh, meet all the players. Uh, funny thing how God works is the coach from Tulane has seen me play and he became coach at UM my same year coming in as a freshman, uh, Perry Clark. And then I was ready. Was he recruiting you at Tulane? I was not heavily recruited. You were on the radar. Yeah, I was on the radar. All right. Um, so the day before tryouts, um, I've had this stomach pain. But in the summer, I had the same pain. It was a stomach virus. So I was like, oh, it's just a stomach virus. No problem. Everybody's like, go to the ER. Uh, so I go to the doctor on campus. They're like, you need to go to ER like right now. I'm like, no, I'll go tomorrow. I got tryouts. They're like, no, you need to go now. As soon as I go into ER, they pump me full of those vanilla shakes. I had the little time port. So I text my dad and my mom like hey I'm about to go into surgery and I pass out and when I wake up my dad's there and I miss tryouts so Steve Steve from Bermuda uh, I talked to Steve and he was like look I had a great tryout everybody was missing you and stuff like that and nobody made it except Danny uh, so Danny makes it 210 disco Dan 210 made it and so they were like hey you could get a one day trial two weeks after you know your heel and i went in there and i just played as hard as i can um and then the rest was history i think that's that's a preferred walk on though because they're not redo no you too though like they're they're i don't think they're giving somebody else a chance well the the reason why it'd be like hey steve yeah you want to try out again since you were you had a cold that day yeah you know what i mean so like like, they wanted you on the team yeah because like my coach talked to perry clark so he knew the whole staff because the whole staff came from Tulane. Yep. And then I knew all the players because I played with them in the wellness center. So they were like, at least give this guy a shot. Like, because we, we all know this guy. Now, if he's not good or something happens, it's a one-day thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, my UM experience just playing on that basketball team was amazing. Going through the different coaches we had, going through the ups and downs of playing well. Our sophomore year going to the final – well, going to the NCAA and then us not making – NCAA or, or anything was great, but I learned a lot of life lessons from all of our coaches and our players. So you played two or three years for Perry Clark? I played two years for Perry Clark um, and one year for Coach Haith. What, who am I missing? No, that's it. We only, I only had two coaches. I, I redshirted a year. So the four years you were at UM, three years you played, one year you redshirted? Yeah. No, so I you played. have a year of eligibility left. No, no, no. I played five. So I played three under, and then I redshirted one, and then I played when Haith came. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So we we keep, I was thinking about maybe we go back to school, graduate we school. I only played 
a year of college football. So, I mean, at the end of the day, right now, what we see, we can help out. I know. I think so. Speaking of that. Or we can at least coach. Oh, easily. What about um, senior year, was it? You got given, You were given a scholarship? Senior year, I was given a scholarship. So that's That's, that's a cool story. Yeah, so I will always be thankful to Coach Haith because Coach Haith came into a situation where each year I was told we were given a scholarship. Um, we were going to get a scholarship, or he was going to pick a walk-on and give a scholarship. This I remember you Clark. guys saying it every year. You and Danny would say it. You both and, thought that you were and, you know, maybe up for it every year. And, and that's why I know I wasn't crazy because I knew he said it to me and Danny. So when he said it to us and we would talk to him and he would say, like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's that's what really upset me. But I, I just went to Coach Hayes and said, look, I've been promised a scholarship each year. Um, if I do certain things as far as GPA and help the team. And he's like, look, I don't I don't really know you. But if that's what you were promised, if you meet the requirements, I'm going to give you the scholarship. Wow. So at the end of the year, I met the requirements and he was like, look, I'm a man of my word. So I'm going to give you the scholarship. So I'll always be thankful to Coach Frank Hayes because he took a chance on a kid he had. Literally, he came in. I talked to him. It was maybe a month when uh, grades were due. I got the grades, and he gave me a scholarship. Like, he could have went out and got more JUCO kids or kids he knew or anything. He could have done anything else than give me that Easily. scholarship. There's a million things you could do with a basketball scholarship. And he gave that to me. So I To better be your team. Yeah. Let's talk about you going into – you leave the 9-to-5 world. Right. And you get into nonprofit, you get into working with kids, working with less fortunate. Right. Talk about that. So when I parted ways with UM, um, I started Dibia Athletic Development. And Dibia means master of wisdom or knowledge. Uh, we, we started, we were training a lot of kids. And then I said, okay, look, let's do a camp, but we need to be different. All right, we need to do a camp in Miami. Let's do a camp in Bermuda. So 2012, we did both of those. 2013, and we also scholarship kids. 2013, towards the end, we were doing a lot. We were doing a lot of camps and clinics all over the place. And then a lot of people started to say like, hey, I see a lot of pictures from campus, some of the stuff you're doing, but there's not a lot of kids of color. And I said, well, I mean, we just posted. So we don't know who's coming to camp or anything. We just post them. So then we scholarship more kids and then I don't know what it was, but someone told me that they took arts and PE, arts recess and like wood shop or something like that out of schools. And I was like, why are they taking these things out of school? So I started to look into education a lot more and I started to notice that there were huge gaps and how can we fix them? So we were doing a lot of stuff with Breakthrough Miami and we we're like, look, they do Saturday programming. Let's just start something small. Let's do a Saturday programming program and will impact kids and then uh chris paul did something with la's best and i said who is la's best and i looked them up they do after school programming all over la they had 20 some sites at the time the mayor had set aside money for them and it was a growing program so and they had real like impact and outcomes so i said you know what let's do after school programming but then i looked at their actual budget i was like man this budget's like two million dollars like we don't have that so I was like, they met with the mayor and some other people. I could do the same. Tried to meet with the mayor at the time and some sponsors, and we weren't a 501c3 at the time, so we couldn't get money. So I just took half of the money I made from Divya and put it into Dream and started. 
And we started with one site in 2015. And as of today, we're in seven sites after school programming through STEM, financial literacy, health and wellness, mentorship and sports. And then we just rolled into other programs. I never really knew what STEM was until you got involved with it. And now I see it everywhere right. in cities all over the country. Right, just right. T tell us what STEM is. So STEM is uh, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. It's like a, a, an extra program for kids, like an extracurricular activity that involves that type of stuff. For Right. So the funny thing is that actual your science class is supposed to be what we're doing. Yeah. It's just that it's not because of funding or your teacher may not know or whatever it may be your science class is supposed to be fun when you come into your science class it's supposed to be pretty much like you're coming into like a harry potter potter novel like you're supposed to have magic you're supposed to be able to do different things and walk away with a creation that you created through science i think i think it's in the inner city there's a lack of resources oh, yeah. and you know funding and whatnot and they don't give the kids the programs that they're supposed to give them and right. they're, they're behind they you know they're they they, they don't accelerate the programs to get right. to that point right. i think that's one of the main issues and that's the huge thing because now we're starting to take on these sites but then before we would go into a site and we're like look we're going to do stem but once we one thing we noticed is that the kids were below reading levels so if we do any stem worksheets or anything like that the kids weren't up to grade level so we had to pull our programming back and do more literacy in the beginning and then do more STEM. But it's, it is resources, because I have kids at Ransom who are doing sea level rise and understanding climate change in their science classes, but then I have kids in Miami Gardens or North Miami who can barely read. So we cannot even get into different terms or terminologies or different projects with them because they can't read. We have to get them to reading level and then go from there. So it is definitely all about resources, and that's why in front of funders, always talk about its resources. Give us a dollar. If you're going to tell us no, give us at least one dollar and watch what I do with a dollar. It's time to come up. Put your dollar bills in the air. He said, meet me at the White House and I was there because I'm... So you used Dibia to create STEM. And you're saying, we, did you have a partner in this? I mean, I know you were the main man. You were right. the jefe. Right, right. On, uh, on the who's Dibia been with side. you since day one? Yeah, so on the Dibia side, it was just me. I was a main trainer, and then we were contract coaches to come in. And we've had people who were there in the beginning. Shout out to Avis and Tanisha. They, they really helped a lot in the beginning. And then when we started Dream, you know, I sat down with a good friend of mine, Mardoshi, and at the same time, Itita was at my house. And uh, I said, Itita, look, I'm about to start this nonprofit in education. Do you want to help? And she was like... Yeah, okay, I'll think about it. If she, she'll tell you the same story. And then she went talk to her uh, her husband, Will, and Will's like, look, you need to talk to Brandon about this nonprofit. So then she talked to me about it, and then we started. So Atita's been with Dream since day one. So we had two employees. Now we're up to 40. So Dibia has maybe two, well, has one full-time employee with contractors. And then Dream has two full-time employees with 40 part-time staff. You've done a lot of good things for kids in the community. Right. And I'm aware of it, but I'm not plugged in. I don't right. go to these events. I don't really right. get to see everything right. firsthand. Right. When I saw that news uh, on the news, what was it, uh, NBC News, local okay. Miami affiliate, they had you on. Right. 
you were doing a lot of things with the the Miami Marlins, the baseball oh, team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we gave and the car? Yeah, you gave yeah. the car away. I mean, that was you and uh, the old catcher there, Charles Johnson. Yeah, Charles Johnson. Yeah, when I saw that, like, that was really cool to see you doing that stuff. Right. And it, it definitely made me realize, like, what you're doing for the community right, right. and, like, the the scope of, of what you're doing. Right. And I shared it with a lot of my friends that either know you from out of town right. or my, my parents. or I mean, everybody was really... You know, yeah, man, it was was deep. Even to the day, like I'm still, I still haven't grasped what we did that day, and I didn't know it was that deep. Like Azrael, I don't know if you've met Azrael. I've met her. I don't really know her. But Azrael is amazing. Um, I knew her at UM. She's an amazing mom, and everything that she has done for her boys is just like it's remarkable. So for for us to be able to do that, and to be able to partner with the Marlins, just for us to see it and to really like grasp it. Like when you're there, you're like, yeah, we're gonna give her a car, but you don't realize like what that actually means at the time because I have a car, yeah. so I'm not thinking about it. I but, don't have a car. Well, you is there a, a chance? Is there a chance you guys could get me a car? <laughs> not right now. I don't now. have a car. <laughs> not right now, but I, I'll call my people and they'll call your people. All right. No, but, I'm not asking for like a Bentley, like just something reasonable. Yeah, like a Maserati. Like a Tesla. Oh, yeah. Yeah, make sure our, the screen is good. All right. Yeah, that was just amazing. Even to, like I said, even to this day, it's, it still hits me. Like, when the first couple of weeks, even still now, like, she'll send me pictures of them going places. Because before they were either using Uber or the trolley or something like that. Like, she can literally just get up and go whenever. I don't think sometimes we grasp. Have a car is a big thing, right? But it's Especially a big you thing have for them. kids. Right. Like, you have three kids. School, sports. School, right. And they're active. And they were always at STEM Saturdays. They're always at different sports. So you're in the back of your mind now, you're thinking, how did she, how was she doing this? Yeah. Like, how literally? Like, thankful for Uber and, of course, for our new partnership with them. But it's like you, you, you're trying to figure out how, how does someone make this work? Like on their own, you it, it's just hard. Like, and we always get stuff done, but like just doing that, we were just extremely thankful to our partners at the Marlins and Auto Nation. Would you give her like a Ford Fusion or something? No, it was a Honda Odyssey. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah, bigger. Yeah. Last thing on uh, the topic of childhood and and these kids being able to get a ride to school and practice and all that. Mm-hmm. With an immigrant father, your mom was uh, not an immigrant. Right, mom, my mom's from New Orleans. African American, right. grew up in New Orleans. So, how was your childhood as far as like, could you just go out and play and be gone, or yes. was it like really, really strict? Were you, because you know how like when we were kids, you could go do. You that? could just go. You could just go it's out. Not like that anymore. Well, there's a couple things. So when I when I asked, it was like I had to ask to go outside. When I met, meaning going outside, meant the greater New Orleans metropolitan area. I was going anywhere yeah, in New Orleans. Exactly. Now, I think today the dangers weren't known back then. Like right. we didn't know it was the same. Anything. They're the same dangers and maybe more, but at the same time too, we were allowed to fail. I think parents today, they do have their dangers, but they also are trying to be uh, what do they call them? Helicopter yeah. parents or something like that. They're, they're, they're more to, informed, too. Yeah, so they're, they're trying, trying to, to create this right. protective environment, which isn't realistic Not at as all. the kids get older. Not at all. So we were able to just go anywhere, uh, bike anywhere, do anything, long as we were inside before streetlights. Streetlights. Street Nobody understands the, now the concept of streetlights. No, because one, it's just <clears> like <throat> kids are taken everywhere. And then two... 
you know, in Miami, people always complain about quality parks. There are amazing parks in Miami. Yeah. On the water or anywhere. It's just Beautiful. no kids there. Yep. It's just adults. Yep. Or no one's there. It's just like, but I do understand, like, Miami's very different. Like, people knew how to drive in New Orleans. People would drive slow. Like, if you try to cross the street, people were mindful of that. Like, Miami's very, Miami's just very different when it comes to that. But at least your neighbor, your neighborhood park, you could go to. And I still see in neighborhood parks, no one's there. So, yep. it's just different today. But, I, again, I do agree. Their dangers are different. Like, if I was a fifth grader with a cell phone and social media and all the video games (laughs) like yeah it's just but the video games are so realistic (laughs) yeah like you could download the stats from the the nba finals last night onto your nba 2k and like we couldn't do that we had atari we had sega we had sega that was it we had mario right we had the the trackpad the the biggest thing for us was playing uh track and field on nintendo or duck hunter like we couldn't talk. I couldn't talk to you and play Duck Hunter like they could talk to kids now. And speaking play. of the parks, every time I go home, and I was just home a week or two ago, I drive by this this park. Right. That I used. It was the first place I ever played pickup ball at. Right. Balch Playground in Beverly. Right. Driving by this park, and there's never anybody playing there. No. And I remember we used to play pickup there. I played there when I was, the first time I ever played was like I was six or seven years old or right. something. I remember five to six of the people who were on the court. Right. One of them ended up the, the coach at my high school. One of them ended up playing at the high school. Like these people were ingrained in my mind because right. they used to be at this court all the time. Like Park Legends. Nobody plays anymore. So the thing about it is we've become bougie with basketball. Like, everybody, I, I got to play inside. It's got to be this AAU. temperature. It has, it has to, to be. be. No, we played at a park till from sunup to sundown. If it was double rim or single rim or if we had to. This place still has the double rims. Yeah, or what we did was we saved our money. We bought a portable basket, and we just uh, emptied it, and we dragged it around the whole neighborhood, and we filled it up with water or sand. But (laughs) kids today, they, I have to be inside. I have this. Or kids will have issues like outside. It's like, because you don't go outside, that's that you have these issues. So, your knees will be fine, man. So, how can people get involved with Dibia Dream? You have STEM Saturdays. I know you've invited me to before, and I'm usually traveling or out of town. Right. How can people get involved more? Yeah, I mean, what we we try to do is get more people from the community to come into the program. So that's initially what um, people can do on STEM Saturdays. So STEM Saturdays is basically we partner with the community centers or cities or i.e. when we partner with the Marlins and has STEM Saturdays at Marlins Park. And we try to turn that center into an incubator of excellence and we invite people from the community, whether they're uh, normal people who just work in the community or the doctors, lawyers, whatever it may be, who want to come and engage our students. I um, mean, we do different projects like uh, I think in June we'll build boats. Uh, we've built mechanical lungs and dissected sheep lungs, uh, built mechanical cars, um, LED clocks. So we just really try to engage the kids through STEM um, and expose them to different environments that they're not uh, normally in. So anyone could just email educate at dibiadream.org to get more involved with volunteer opportunities. Help the ubiquitous businessman create (laughs) an incubator of excellence, please. (laughs) 
All right, let's keep it a hundo. Okay. Let's get into it. All right. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Are you really from New Orleans or are you from Detroit? <laughs> Shout out to Jerry. Uh, nah, man. Straight from New Orleans. Seven more hard head all day. Jerry Glover. Jerry's, Jerry's so funny. Have you been asked to be The Bachelor? You ever been asked to go on The Bachelor? I've not been asked to go on The Bachelor. I've been asked to be a bachelor at one of these uh, uh, bachelor when they auction you off. Yeah, auction you off yep. here. And I've been asked, asked to be, uh, I was casted for Survivor, but I didn't go on. Did you want to do it? Uh, eventually, I wanted to do it, but just it got to a point with the contract. Like, you sign away your life in that yeah, contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, my mom and I ripped that contract to shreds, and they got it back. They were like, we've never received a contract What like age this. were you when this happened? Recently? No, this was 2008. Okay. I had friends uh, that I played basketball with that were on, the two, two twin brothers. Okay. They were on The the Amazing Race. Okay. They were on that. They did, actually, um, Nigerian dudes. Who? Oh, I remember uh, you remember them? No. They're from either. they're from Massachusetts? No, no, no. No? Any political aspirations? Debbie for mayor? 2024? You know, you know, the funny thing is that one day I had this weird saying in my head that you should be mayor of New Orleans. And I was like, you're crazy. And I've said that to five people. And five people were all like, you should do it. And then I've been in some leadership cohorts where they try to... Get you ready for that. So it's it's definitely been on my mind. You're I'm, really plugged in in Miami. Are you that plugged in in New Orleans? Where you not know as the much, right people? but there's more. I think Miami's a different landscape, and yeah, yeah. than New Orleans. And then um, it's also about where can I have the greatest impact? I'm a disruptor. There are a lot of people who like me because of what we do, and there's a lot of people who don't like me because. I get stuff done without asking or to kiss the right. rug. There's only one way to get things done. Right. And not everyone's going to be happy. Right. You got to step on toes to get things done. Right. So I'm I'm thinking about that and I'll figure it out. But New Orleans is uh, definitely more New Orleans attractive to you attractive. And, and more realistic because when's the last time Miami uh, elected a non-Hispanic mayor? Yeah. I right. don't know. Right. Not in our lifetime, I don't think. I don't think so either. No limit or cash money? Cash money. Why? Cash money because you... you it was it have, was cash money from day one? From day one. I mean, no limit No limit came on the scene and they were aggressive, but then it's just like you just liked them because they were just so aggressive. Like cash money is like juvenile. More of a gimmick. Yeah. Didn't have the staying power. Yeah, like juvenile. Uh, first, let's, go, let's go back to Pimp Daddy and UNLV. Like... Just them lyrically and how they were on the scene first, and then you had Juvenile, then you had the Hot Boys, and even Baby when he's talking, he's he's really saying something. Like he's not a rapper, but when he's talking, you're like, yeah, okay, I, I understand. He just that. says the N word in between everything well, he says. Yeah, but so there's importance in between the N word. Yeah, I try to get him not to, you know, use the N word so much. <laughs> Is it okay? <laughs> Is it okay for two grown men? To kiss on the lips, as friends. I don't. I don't know how to answer that. I don't know where to go with that. Baby and Wheezy. Yeah, that, that was interesting. Um, just because I think there's like even with a lot of a lot of parents kiss their kids on the lips. Like I'm never gonna kiss my child 
on the lips. I I I just not gonna do that. Yeah, it's not that's for just, me. Either, that's just but. not for me. Um, but I'll embrace. But I know a lot of parents today who like they'll train their kid and then they kiss them, and I'm like, different culture. Yeah. So. I don't think you're going to be kissing your friends. You've never kissed me on the lips. I don't know if you've kissed nah, man, fist Drew pound. or Steve or any of our nah, other friends on the lips. Fist pound. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite TV show, Power or Seinfeld? Seinfeld. Seinfeld, Martin's really my favorite at heart, but Seinfeld is just a class. Those are the three everything. I think of when I think of your TV. Yeah. I think of Seinfeld, Martin. And power is what you hype more recently. I'm I, most more recently, but I'm really now into uh, two things: yeah, Ozark, love Ozark, and I just caught on, on this trip to Tulum because they don't. It's not cable in the room; it's only Netflix. Yeah, Suits. Nah, I never watched it. So I never watched it either. But then I was like, man, let me just skip to season six. So I just started watching season six on down. Like sometimes I do that. Like even with Game of Thrones, I watch. <laughs> Season seven, the last two episodes, and then season eight, the first episode, and then I went all the way back and watched from season one to where I was. So I'm weird like that, but I really, I really liked Ozark, Seinfeld, and Martin. Suits is a, isn't it a USA network show? Yeah, it's USA. I don't think I've watched USA since Silk Stockings. Or New York Undercover. Was that USA? New, New York Undercover was USA. New York Undercover yeah. was good. <laughs> yeah. So was Silk Stockings. <laughs> All right. Steel Cage match. Okay. George Costanza versus Kramer. I'm, I don't know. I was about to say George, cause, but George, because oh, George will say George fights dirty. Yeah. yeah. He's a pit bull, but Kramer is crafty. Kramer is like. He's long. Like, yeah. I'm going with George, though. Yeah? I'm going with George. I know Kramer's going to win, but I'm going with George. Like, is, is it a grind-out battle, or is it just quick? It'll be five rounds. Okay. But George's going to tire out. Like, he's he's done. Commander's Palace or Willie Mays Scotch House? I'm going to say Willie Mays. I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of certain type of places in New Orleans. Um, I went to Commander's Palace with this high expectation, and it didn't meet it. So, yeah, I'm good. Willie Mays, more consistent. You know what you're going to get. Yeah. Top five rappers of all time. I had prepared for this, and now I forgot. But uh, (laughs) I'll definitely say top five in no particular order. Yep, yep. This is my top five. Don't need an order. Andre 3000. Um, I've done this with you sitting at dinner or having drinks or something anyway. So I know it's going to change. Jay-Z. And then here is where it gets interesting for, for my personal top five. Uh, I'm going to say <clears throat> Nas. Notorious Big. Mine is Juvenile. Just because I think Juvenile was consistent until he left and went everywhere. Of course, everybody's going to say Lil Wayne. I just think that... Wayne has put out Wayne has put out a, an amazing body of work, so I could put like you know they they split in there. Yeah, I was expecting you to put Wayne in that spot. Yeah, but you went New Orleans with it, which yeah. is what I expected. In the same vein, best Nigerian rapper. Oh, I don't think people are aware of some of them. There's like one like well-known Nigerian rapper, and then there's some other ones. Who, I like Wizkid. There's others, but I, I like Wizkid and what he's done. I like how he's been able to be versatile, and you've seen him with Drake and different artists. 
Um, I'm really feeling like Afrobeats. I'm really appreciate. I really appreciate how people are embracing our culture finally, and to understand it's like just because you like black culture or Afrobeats or you like let's say you just like country music doesn't mean you cannot like all of these things. That, sure. that doesn't mean you're just this like old town road. Now it's like the whole controversy with all of that. It's, it's not needed. Like people should be able to listen to music because music is that one thing outside of sports. That's kind of like a universal language that brings people together. So people got to embrace that. So yeah, WizKid, but my, my whole playlist right now, Apple is all, or my whole iTunes is all Afro beats right now. Like I get songs and I send them out to people and they're like, "How do you get this? Like, yeah, do you yeah, have yeah. direct contact with these people?" I'm like, "I have." You got to go to Africa like, to get this. <laughs> I can go there and I come back, drop that heat for you. So, are you aware that this? So this kind of leads into this. Okay. Nas is considered a Nigerian rapper because he has. He did like 23 and Me and found out that he's like So everybody 80% of African Americans have Nigerian blood in them. Yeah, so they need to now so now can, we can Nigerian. instead of being like, you know, when I was a child before 4th grade, it was it wasn't cool to be African. Then 4th grade, we had this thing where people came by my house and people I, think, I don't know, maybe that's when Coming to America came out and everybody They wanted was to see okay. what was going on over right. there. And then now, it, you jump all the way to now, like people have dashikis on, people are repping the culture, people are, we have Afrobeats party every weekend, people eating jollof, people like Suya, <laughs> people will have want to have jollof wars. It's like, oh, but now y'all like the culture. So um, even I think like uh, T.D. Jakes and like five other people, you know, like celebrities came out saying, "Yeah, right. that they're Nigerian." Uh, two of my friends, um, you know, Brittany. Yeah, she's Nigerian. She did Twenty Three and Me or something like that. She's Marissa Nigerian. found out she's. You oh, know. See, they're all my sisters. I, I literally read the other day that eighty percent of African Americans have Nigerian blood. Right. I didn't make that up. Right. Everybody's Nigerian. See, now everybody needs to go back, and now we need to help out. With that said. Let's let's give a shout to Chameleon Air, who's actually Nigerian. <laughs> Thank you. Big shout out. Yep. All right. All time Nigerian starting five. Five oh. basketball players from Nigeria. So Masai um, Ujiri. He'll be our coach. Um, or our general manager. Yeah, he's he's picking the team. Yeah, he's, he's definitely him. picking the team. We definitely have Giannis. Yep. Uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. Easy. Al Farouk Aminu. Aminu. Yeah. This can Oladipo. be in the past or present. Yeah, Oladipo. And myself. Yeah, running the point. I mean, we got we to gotta have a captain who can bring everybody together. Easily. You know who I really like? And not many people know who he is, but I, I watched him play in the Olympics. Chamberlain Aguchi. He's I a like beast. his game. He's a beast. Shout out to the Okafors. They'll be on the bench. Yeah. And... My man from Worcester, Massachusetts, he was around my year in high school, Obina Ikizi. Yeah, I you saw him? I saw him. Yeah, I do remember he him. He played at Maryland? I do remember him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up with Nigerians and nicknames? They have really good nicknames. Like, you got 25 nicknames. <laughs> Christian Okoye, the Nigerian nightmare. Yeah. The Candy Man, Michael right. Olawa Candy. Right. And then I got a friend, or he's, he's a friend of a friend. His name is Stanley. Right. He goes by One Night Stan. <laughs> no, that's classic. That's a great nickname. 
Uh, I th- maybe it just comes from like the naming process is is not taken lightly. So there's a lot that goes into your name because that represents who you are, your village, or hopefully what you will become. So then even in your nickname, like when I went back, I was so bad and wild. Like we were in the village uh, around Bushman. They called me Bushman. So that's when I was like two. So I was real bad. The Bushman? Yeah. I like that. And then when I came back here, I was wild. So my grandfather, who's not Nigerian, but he called me Alfalfa from the Little Rascals. (laughs) So it was like, I have, you know, I got way more names too. It's just that. You didn't. Yeah. Have, you must not have had the waves if he was calling you nah, Alpha. Had that's the, how I got the nickname Beatty. So if you ever around anybody from New Orleans around me, and they'll say like, "Hey, Beatty, what's up?" or something, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, I'm, I never. I didn't have waves until ninth grade. When I was rolling with uh, with Kobe in Houston, <laughs> yeah. he would call you Beatty. Right. And it took me a while. Like he said it like a bunch of times. Right. And I'm like Beatty, B dot. Okay, Beatty. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah, so my nicknames, uh, I got a lot of those. All right, who's done more to damage the reputation of Nigerian men? I'm not going to say you. <laughs> no, You've I'm uplifted fine. the reputation. Yeah. Those scam artists who email you randomly asking you to send money, or Jesse Smollett? <laughs> I'm not going to comment. Serious question. I'm not going to comment. I'm just going to give facts. They found out that the guy who was doing those all of those Nigerian scams was a white guy. So they come on, him. all of them, all of them. They, it was, it's an article. How many addresses does he have in Nigeria, dude? When they were, when so when you start to see all these night, first of all, you got people who respond. If someone says I'm a prince and I need to give you money, but you need to give me your account, yeah, I don't know if it's a scam. It's maybe it's not using your brain. Like who does that? You. You will question someone on the street about a hundred different things, but let some guy email you that he's got some money, you'll be like, oh, okay, yeah. And it just happens to be a Nigerian prince. But they they did find that out. I don't that's just what they say. The Jesse situation is just like you're just like, why? You know what I mean? You you're really like, why? There's no rhyme or reason. The day before that came out, he was just down here for the five thousand role models. And he brought out Danny Glover. So you see, like, the type of people he's around. Yeah. And then you see this, and you're like, what happened? You're more concerned about, like, so my sister's and in, 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 uh, helps people with mental illness and uh, mental therapy and stuff like that. So you're not looking at, like, okay, like, does this guy need therapy? Like, is there something going on mentally? Like, what's – because just someone saying, like, no one knows the true facts. So we're not going to say, like, he just wanted a better contract because that right. doesn't necessarily make sense. Your mom called well, my mom calls me. She's like, I've had Subway. There's no Subway sandwich <laughs> that's that amazing at 2 in the morning. I'm like, Mom, calm yeah, down. I, so I know the neighborhood it happened in because right. I live in Chicago now. Right. There's not even black people over there. Right. Especially not at 3 in the morning. Right. The whole thing, it's so, like, from jump, I knew it was fabricated because of the way it sounded and everything. But with that said, I heard some type of therapist on a podcast discussing it. And what he was saying was, and it made a lot of sense, is people who do things like that, who create these uh, fascinating, what do they call, uh, these stories that are just overblown. Right. They feel like they've had injustices done to them their whole life so these type of things have been perpetrated on him right but this wasn't but he thought it was it was justified in his mind to do this because this 
resembled things that had been done to him in the past. Right. I mean, and he just recreated it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, look, we never know what's going on in someone's head. But at the end of the day, you know, sometimes we look at celebrities like they have no problems, like just how the NBA athletes now are talking about um, some of them being depressed. And, you know, every celebrity just open it up. They're normal people. They go through problems. It's just that it's amplified whenever something that we would norm that happens in our normal life with people that we normally know. Everybody knows now. So now everybody's looking at him. And now when they walk down the street, everybody's like, oh, this guy's crazy. You can't say that. This person needs help. They're a normal human being. Like, you have to help them the same way you would help anybody else who's not, in your mind, a celebrity. Agreed. Top five NBA all time. Jordan. Yeah. Olajuwon. Magic. Bernard King. LeBron. Bernard King obviously comes out of left field. It's, to some people, it may right. seem out of left field. His peak was so high, right. he just didn't sustain it as sustain, long because right. of injuries. But I right. remember watching him play in the 80s, and he was right. ridiculous. It was insane. Right. Celtics couldn't hold him, even when the Celtics were the best team in the league. And winning championships, they still struggled to hold him. Right. Yeah, that's actually a, a lineup, too. You can yeah. actually play that lineup together. Yeah, we, we need a, a real solid shooter, but I think we're all right. Bernard smoked a lot of crack, too, though. Oh, yeah. That didn't help Things his longevity. Happened. Top three UM players that you saw play, not including yourself. I don't want to put any pressure that on That I you. saw play? Yeah. Like, you know, Rick Barry doesn't count. We didn't see him play at UM. John Salmons. Yeah. I really like this kid Chris likes. Yep. Um, so I'm going to say John Salmons, Chris likes. It's definitely James Jones, but also... I saw this kid, and he, again, his longevity and extracurricular, Joey Gordon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I saw Joey beat Syracuse. We beat Syracuse at Syracuse because he went on a 10 or 12-point scoring streak by himself. And I've heard from multiple guys you played with that he was maybe the best one-on-one player they had seen. Oh, my gosh. It was just like... At the end of practice, he was like, you know how Kobe will play people after practice of Jordan. He's playing people after practice, but he's beating everybody. It was insane. So on the flip side, the top three players that we played against, Melo. Um, I loved him in college. Melo to watch was insane. So I would say Melo, Will Bynum, mm. and above all of them, Marcus Hatton. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Marcus Hatton, I can't even describe. He was like an Iverson. Just like Iverson. His game reminded me of him a lot. And, I mean, it was just – it was too easy for him. John Morant, kind of like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was insane. I saw him play in Italy against Elton. Elton's team played oh, okay. against his team. And I was like – Oh, yeah, I remember you telling me that. Every time I saw a game over in Europe, it was like, you know, you want to see, like, oh, what Americans are on this team. Right. And you hope you get, like, a good one. It was right. like Marcus Hatton. That's right. a great one. I right, get to watch right, right. this guy. Yeah, yeah. Favorite yak. Doucet, Henny, Remy Martin. Uh, of course, Hennessy. Shout out to Hennessy. The regular, uh, the privileged, the black. Oh, the parody. The parody. Uh, not all of us can. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, but if we're going with the favorite, it's that parody. Yeah. What hotel have you been to that has the best candy spread? Oh, gosh. What was that? The Ritz Carlton? Yeah. We were vibing at the Ritz Carlton. Water for me, baby. Pull up at the Ritz Carlton. I'm vibing in the Ritz Carlton. Yes, yeah, the Ritz Carlton. Like that candy spread, classic. Top five candy. Ritz spread. Carlton, uh, downtown Atlanta. Myself, 
Dibia and AKG. Outcast concert. Yeah, Outcast concert. And we got home one night from going out. It was the night before the show, and the candy bar was out. No, the candy bar was put away. Yeah, we, we asked for it. But B Dot asked to have the, I think, the peaches? Yeah. The peaches delivered to his room. Right. Understand, I'm the candy man, and I'm melting your mouth, not in your hand. So the next morning, he woke up with the bags of peaches, and he was laid out on the bed holding the bags of peaches, <laughs> right. which was a classic way to wake up. <laughs> right. But yeah, the, the candy spread was Yeah, the candy spread was, was insane. All right, Great death trip. row meal. We haven't talked much food. I've directed, we've been out to a lot of meals together. I've directed you in great directions and I've steered you wrong before, but. Only once or twice. You can be twice. finicky at times. I, I can be. And I, like I told you last night, you definitely need to, you know, start this food network podcast or whatever it is because you're going to these amazing places like everybody's like where's matt going now where's matt going now what did he eat i was like why don't you just ask him hundo eats baby hundo eats you gotta follow him um so i'm having some appetizers here you know i want a cup very small bowl of gumbo um, from anywhere in particular, no, you have a spot you're making. It. I'm making. I've it. had his gumbo for Thanksgiving. He makes it every year, and yeah. I've had it a few times, and it's great. Yeah, I'm. I'm not trusting anybody else's gumbo. My, except my mom. Then I'm having some suya. Tell us what suya is. So suya is like uh, most of the time they make it on street corners. Um, I guess you could kind of relate it to shish kebabs. It's just beef with suya. Uh, this is a Nigerian dish. Nigerian dish. Yeah, it's amazing. I've only um, had pepper pot and fufu. I oh mean, yeah, pepper fufu. soup. Pepper, pepper soup. soup with fufu, yeah. yeah. And then I'm having another small bowl of jollof rice. Yeah. And then for my entree, I'm having a steak, probably a filet, <clears throat> butterfly um, from True Lux. And um, my drink is. I'm so glad you just said True Lux. Yeah. I have an argument with Marissa about how to pronounce that. Is it? It's True Lux. Oh, it's True Lux. Okay. Yeah. Because even the, I mean, because they always come to your table, they call you the next day. Like, yeah. I try to tell people, like, their customer service is on par with, like, how yeah, they send you a love letter. They send you a letter. Like, they're engaged. Yeah. You want to come back. Um, so I'm having a, a True Lux steak, and then I'm, my drink of choice, uh, I think now I've named it the Ghost. Is um, Hennessy, yeah, Hennessy, Grand Marnier, and cranberry, <laughs> all in one, on the rocks. Yes. You do the math. Yes, you do the math. And uh, what, what dessert? I know you like you like dessert. Oh yeah, key lime pie. But I'm not. I like Edwards frozen key lime pie actually. So just open it up, thaw it out for a little bit. That's what I'm going with with a little strawberries on top. Very specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like it. I, I I like when a man knows what he wants. Yeah. As long as it's not me. And with that said, anything else you got to say? No, man. I just appreciate the time today, Matt. Make sure you keep it a hundo. Dream big. Yes, sir. Dibby a dream. Brandon O'Pollaby, Matty Hundo, we're out. That was my conversation with Hefe Dibia himself. If you're interested in volunteering or helping out with Dibby a dream, you can contact him at Dibby a dream on Instagram or Facebook. Or you can go to dibbyadream.org. That's specifically in the community of Miami, but he does do things in other places, uh, including New Orleans and Bermuda. 
I'm looking forward to doing some big things over in Nigeria one of these days. We've discussed making that trip several times, but we've yet to put it in action. So I'm challenging BDOT to put together a Nigeria trip that involves some sort of community service, but primarily food and culture focused. So I want to do a little bit of work and a lot of bit of eating and exploring and getting ingrained in the culture of Nigeria. And before I sign off, I want to thank everybody for the positive feedback and the attention I received from the last podcast with Lilo Brancato. I really do appreciate it. Continue to comment and rate my podcast on iTunes and follow me on social media if you want access to some of the videos I've posted from my podcast. It's Maddie Hundo on Instagram, Matthew Baricelli on Facebook, and on Black Planet, you can find... No, I'm just kidding. No more Black Planet. I signed off of there a few months ago. Let's close this out by saying happy birthday to Brandon, a.k.a. Hefe Dibia. His birthday's coming up next week on July 2nd, so this podcast will be an early birthday gift. Feel free to send him your birthday wishes. Like I said, you can find them at dibiadream.org or dibiadream on Instagram. That's it for keeping it a hundo. Thanks for listening. Hasta luego. All of me long time brother from Teachfield Long time picture them a whole heap on the battlefield Some of them are oh. filled with grudge My dogs are the realest dogs And my heart clean, filled with love And me medication sharp like studs Them dress cold, even them send me say the whole of them a miss oh. Go for the Psalms, them a send for the chalice oh, yeah. Them does a watch me like a radio analyst But me and stop it, remember me tell you this in the music, I'm like a fucking senator. Them are the fucking janitor. None of my link, no regular. Mad sick, head no good like predator. Oh. What should you tell when you are buying you? Be more careful, do you can't find it.